I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the Gospel according to Matthew. Matthew chapter 5. It'll be a short verse, verse 48. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, where Jesus says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Will you pray with me? God, we give you thanks for your holy word, for this privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message to your church and not my own. Through the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Be perfect. Well, there you go. No worries. I mean, how challenging is that? Be perfect. I'm done. There's no way. I can be perfect. I grew up hearing nobody's perfect, and yet Jesus just said, be perfect. It seems unattainable, so it would be very tempting to go. There's just no way I could ever reach the standard that God has set, therefore I give up. But our series through this season of Lent is called Amazing Grace. Because God does not call us to be anything without His grace. And it's only by God's grace that we're able to be the people that God has called us to be. As we've been going through this series, we've been looking at a variety of forms of grace that John Wesley, who is considered to be the forefather of Methodism or the Wesleyan theology, that he kind of laid out, sharing how God's grace is at work in our lives before we ever know it, all the way to the end when we receive fully into the kingdom of heaven. We talked about prevenient grace, pre meaning before. Prevenient means before we were ever aware of it, God was doing something. God was at work in our lives. God was wooing us, leading us to be able to hear his call calling us out of our sin, out of our brokenness, or as Paul says, out of our tombs of death, to respond to Him. We looked at convicting grace, which is when that Holy Spirit works in our lives, tugs on our hearts, reminds us that's not who you are. You know better. Convicting grace, justifying grace, saving grace, that grace that that pardons us and offers us forgiveness of sin and gives us that opportunity for new birth to be born again. And now, sanctifying grace. Grace that can lead us to be made holy or by God's grace to be perfected by God's action in and through our lives. You see, for us and for John Wesley, one of the things that was kind of unique, it's not really unique, it's in the Scripture, but sometimes when in the past we've read Scripture, we tend to stop around justification. We have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior and as our Lord. We are now pardoned. We have been redeemed. We now have that new birth. We've been born again. I'm done. John Wesley taught us, though, that Justification is not the end of the journey. It's actually the beginning. The Apostle Paul actually teaches that throughout the Scripture of well. And Jesus teaches us that in this Scripture. Last week we looked at justification, that door. So 
John Wesley used the metaphor of the house that we reviewed. The front porch is prevenient grace. It's that opportunity, that invitation to come and be part. The door then, that's justifying grace. That's the saving grace that we go through. And then when we're inside, inside the house in the room, that is the sanctifying grace. The grace that makes us holy. You see, we don't stop with justifying grace. We don't remain there. We don't pause there. We continue to grow. Justifying grace, justification, new birth, that's instantaneous. Sanctification is a gradual growing to spiritual maturity. And it's only possible by God's amazing grace. God continues to be at work in our lives. God's grace of making us holy. We're meant to be growing. Not long ago, I received a, an email from a former church member who was asking me if I would consider doing her wedding. It was quite an honor. Some of the things that she shared about memories when I was her pastor really touched my heart. But I replied back to her and I said, no, I will not do your wedding. You're only 12 years old. Now, obviously that wasn't true, but it had been about 12 years actually since I had seen her. And some of the memories that I had of her was here's a 12-year-old jumping on a trampoline with her brother, out having fun, entering into middle school. You want me to do your wedding? Wow. And when I met with her and her fiancé, it was no longer that 12-year-old little girl. She had become this amazing young woman. She had gone through high school, graduated from college, begun her professional life. Such a beautiful person that God had been working in throughout her life. She was now an adult. She had matured. It was great to see. Now imagine, if you will, that she sends me a note and says, will you do my wedding? And my memory's 12. And when she walked in the door, there was the 12-year-old little kid again. We would have thought something's wrong. You see, we're not meant to stay where we are. We're meant to continue to grow, to continue to mature. And just like she had through her life, we're to continue to grow and mature as well in our spiritual lives. But it's very easy to stop. And the scripture that we just read is actually a statement by Jesus of the Sermon on the Mount. So you back up to the beginning of Matthew 5 and, and Jesus sits down on the mountainside. When you sit down, when a rabbi would sit to teach, that meant this is official teaching. This is important. Listen up. And he took them through the Beatitudes. He then led a lot of things about what does it mean to be the salt of the earth? What does it mean to be the people of God? What does it look like to be the people of God? And that sermon goes from Matthew chapter 5 to chapter 7. And, and right as we really get into it, Jesus then pauses and gives this line, Be perfect. Be perfect, therefore. Therefore, meaning because of who you are, because of who God's calling you to be, as the people of God, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Perfect. 
Well, one of the interesting things when you read the Greek of that scripture is the you in Greek, which as a matter of fact, in the New Revised Standard and some others is kind of implied. It just starts out be perfect. But actually in the Greek, the you is emphatic. It's you be perfect. Therefore, you are called to be perfect. Not just some, but you in particular as the people of God. The called out people of God. The church is that called out people of God. So if you look at the English Standard Version, the ESV, the scripture reads this way, You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Or the New American Standard Bible translates it this way, Therefore you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is not a message where Jesus is saying, they, but you and me. We're called to be perfect. Now, the, the challenging thing when we read that word perfect, that can raise some anxiety and stress. As a matter of fact, I have often been called a perfectionist. And I, and I will tell you, that creates some angst. It's a, there's a lot of pressure that's attached with always trying to do everything just right. Is that what Jesus was looking for? Well, the Greek word that is used here is the word teleos. And what that word is, is to be complete. Be complete. Be perfect. Be matured. In other words, we're called to keep growing to completeness, not necessarily that we will never mess up again. If that's the case, I'm done because I mess up just about every day, actually multiple times per day. It's not about you're called to never make a mistake again. Actually, it's but be complete and who you're called to be, who God is setting you apart to be, mature, grow, just like that 12-year-old grew into such a young, professional, well-rounded young adult and person. We're to grow and mature and become that disciple, sanctified, made holy, made perfect by God's grace. Eugene Peterson paraphrases the scripture. Now, the message is a great paraphrase of the Bible, but I remind you there's a difference between a translation and a paraphrase. A translation is, here's the Greek moved into English, for example. A, a paraphrase is, here's what the Greek says, the scripture says, and, and in other words, and it's a retelling in different wording. So in this paraphrase, Eugene Peterson for Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, says this. In a word, what I'm saying is grow up. Your kingdom subjects. Now, live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives toward you. This be perfect means to continue to grow and, and become complete by God's grace. God helping us to continue with the work of the Holy Spirit and the nurturing of the Holy Spirit, leading us to, to keep moving closer and closer in our walk and in our faith. Jesus is actually reaching back to 
Old Testament scriptures when he says this. For example, Leviticus 19 verse 2 says, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Deuteronomy 18 verse 13 says, You must remain completely loyal to your God. And then even if we move into the New Testament, we'll continue to hear remnants of this. For example, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, Therefore, let us go on toward perfection, leaving behind the basic teaching about Christ and not laying again the foundation. And 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, Since we have these promises, Paul says, Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the body and of the spirit, making holiness perfect in the fear of God. Or the English Standard Version says, bringing holiness to completion. That word perfection, to complete, to mature in the fear of God. Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 says, Therefore prepare your minds for action. Discipline yourselves. Set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when He is revealed. Like obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires that you formerly had in ignorance. Instead, as He who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. For it is written, you shall be holy, for I am. I'm holy. John Wesley actually said that perfection is another name for universal holiness. Inward and outward righteousness. I love this. Holiness of life arising from holiness of heart. Catch that phrase. Holiness of life arising from holiness of heart. Later, John Wesley will go on to describe that what he means by perfection and holiness, what he understands, sanctification, perfection, holiness to mean in the Scripture is to have the mind that was in Christ, Philippians 2 verse 5, and to walk as Jesus walked, 1 John chapter 2 verse 6. To have the mind of Christ and to walk as Jesus walked. To begin to see things as Jesus would see them. To understand things as Jesus would understand them. To have the mind of Christ, but that our lives then follow that. To walk then as Jesus walked. To be the people that God is calling us to be. He actually also wrote, he said, When I began, when I began rather, to make Scripture my study... I began to see that Christians are called to love God with all their heart and to serve Him with all their strength, which is precisely what I apprehended to be meant by the scriptural term perfection. What is Jesus saying when He says to us, be perfect, be complete? Well, it's to love God with all of our heart and to serve Him with all of our strength. You see, when Jesus puts this in that Sermon on the Mount, 
It's in the midst of what does it mean to be the people of God that we're different from the rest of the world because we're called to be set apart or called to be made holy. But it's not by our works. It's not by what we're able to do because we're such wonderful people. It's by the grace of God, what God is able to do through us if we will allow God to work through us. And John Wesley never claimed that he had reached Christian perfection or sanctification, entire sanctification. He never claimed that he had reached it all because he knew he was on a journey. That yes, when he was justified and given new birth, he was made holy, but the process of moving to be who God had called him fully to be was a journey. Paul says the same thing. He doesn't really claim that he reached it either. In Philippians chapter 3, for example, verse 12, Paul writes, Not that I've already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I've made it on my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. And what I want you to hear then is this. When Paul writes that, the word that's used for goal is the exact same base or root word that Jesus used when he said, be perfect. In other words, be complete, reach the end, continue the journey. As I was doing some study on the scripture, I came across the website of First United Methodist Church in Wichita, Texas. And I love the way in what they believe they refer to sanctification. Their site says, the idea behind sanctifying grace is that God loves us just the way we are, but too much to let us stay the same. I thought, well, that's pretty powerful. God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to let us stay the same. God is wanting us to continue to grow in grace and to be the people that he is calling us to be. Charles Wesley was John Wesley's brother and Charles wrote a lot of the hymns that we have. As a matter of fact, John Wesley told his brother Charles, I want you to go out to the areas around the bars and in the communities and listen to the music that people like and then I want you to write some hymns and words to that kind of music so that the church will sing them. One of the songs that Charles Wesley wrote is absolutely beautiful, and I invite you to, to look at all the words of it. But listen to this last verse. It kind of takes us, the song takes us through all these areas of grace. But the last verse deals with sanctifying grace, grace that makes us holy. He said, finish then thy new creation. Finish it. Like, I know you've made me new. I'm a new creation. But continue to work in me to completion, to, to be made perfect, to be made holy, sanctified, made holy by God's grace. Finish then thy new creation, pure and spotless. Let us be. Let us see thy great salvation, 
perfectly restored in thee. Changed from glory into glory till in heaven we take our place till we cast our crowns before thee lost in wonder, love, and praise. You see, we've been invited to be part of God's house and the front porch. Well, that was the prevenient grace because God is calling you and welcoming you to become part of his kingdom. To be called out as Christians, come, come. The front porch is where we lay out the welcome mat. That's where we want others to come be a part of our home and family. The door of the house, justifying grace. That's Jesus who said, I am the door. But Jesus then, that gift of justifying and saving grace, forgiving us for our sins, that sense of pardon, sense of redemption, that sense of new birth, as Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. We go through that door by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, justifying grace. But then we step into the house and we're not called to step in the house and find a nice spot on the couch and just sit there until Jesus returns. No, we're called to, to continue to grow, to to move toward completion. Paul talks about working out our own salvation, that we continue to grow in grace, to continue to be made perfect by God's grace, to be sanctified by God's sanctifying grace, to become the people that God is calling us to be, people who have the mind that was in Christ and who walk as Jesus walks. Now, it, just, it won't just happen. And it'll take a lifetime of growing in grace. And it's not all up to us. God offers us sanctifying grace. But we're called to be on a journey. And if we are still where we were 12 years ago, maybe jumping on a trampoline, instead of continuing to grow in who God is calling us to be spiritually, we need to examine that. Am I growing toward perfection? Be perfect. You, be perfect. As your heavenly Father is perfect. But here's the good news. I am with you always, Jesus said. And our perfection, our sanctification, is not by our works, but by the amazing grace of our God, who loves us too much, to leave us alone. Will you pray with me? God, we give you thanks for your amazing grace. A grace that is a work long before we're ever aware of it. Justifying grace that saves us. And sanctifying grace that makes us holy. That leads us to completion, to maturity, or helps us move to perfection, but again, by your grace. 
God, help us to never be content with who we are and where we are in our spiritual lives, but to always hearing you calling us to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, to grow in our relationship with you, to be the people that you are calling us to be, to growing to have the mind of Christ, to walk as Jesus walked, to habitually, as Wesley said, be filled with love for you and love for our neighbor habitually filled where we don't have to think about it. It becomes part of who we are. Help our identity to be who you call us to be. Set apart by your amazing grace. So God, finish then thy new creation. Pure and spotless, let us be. But to you be the glory because it is only by your amazing grace. In the name of Jesus the Christ, amen.